it's me, your host, Emily. I'm glad you're here. It's time for episode 11, and we're mixing things up today, doing something, you know, just a little different, throwing a new voice into the conversation. I've got Aubrey Watson, a total weirdo and Disney lover here with me to discuss Disney villains. She has a love for the baddies of pop culture, just like I do. In fact, um, we share a Pinterest board of psychopaths in movies and TVs that we find very attractive. Watson, what is it do you think that attracts us so much to these villains? Uh, they so often just have the right level of swagger. Like they, they come in, they're confident, they're chill, they're gonna mess up your day, but they're gonna look good doing it. They are. And usually they're complicated souls, which I always mm-hmm. like too. I like a little a little complicated. So for this episode, I gave Watson a list of superlatives. So 10 superlatives, and we each selected a villain that matched, or what we think matches each of those. With the only guidelines that, one, it has to be a villain from my summer movie challenge list, which the link is in the show notes if you want to download your own copy. And two, that you can't repeat a villain until the very end when we name our favorite Disney villain. You can repeat if needed to do so. So are we ready to get started? I'm ready. All right. Superlative number one, biggest flirt. Who do you think is the biggest flirt in Disney animated land? I, for this one, and I don't know if it really counts as flirt, but it just seemed like the right attitude, uh, picked Hades. Okay. Because he was just, there's just something about him. He seemed like he loved messing with people and that sort of, he almost honestly came off a little bit more as like the gay best friend to Meg occasionally, Mm -hmm. but he just had that sort of energy to him. He was on my short list for it. The way he like, he'll brush back his flaming hair and the way he kind of leans in door frames. There's some flirting there with him. Mm -hmm. Mine is Ursula in The Little Mermaid. So she's got the red lipstick. She's got the, um, what I know it's her body, but what looks like the... Looks like a bustier. Bustier, yeah. Um, the way she moves is very seductive. I mean, she talks about body language. And I know she stole Ariel's voice and has some magic about her, but she does seduce Eric very quickly. Yeah. So there's some, there's some flirting abilities there. He's kind of a dum-dum. He is. He <laughs> you is. were face-to-face with Ariel. Come on now. <laughs> Number two. Now, we, I do have to say we... We changed the list around a little bit last night, actually, because I kept thinking of other things like, we're not talking about this. We're not talking about this. So um, it was kind of a hurried thing for me to fit in with the new categories. But number two is best dressed. Best dressed for me has to be Jafar from Aladdin. He gets the multiple costume changes. He's got the big hat thing and the staff and the long cape. And it's all just very well put together all the time. I agree. I had him. And then I started to think. Uh And mine might be a bit of a spicy take. (laughs) Oh, no. Here we go. But my best-dressed villain is Elsa in Frozen. She is a villain. And I will argue this more when I do my review of Frozen. But um, she's very well-dressed. I'll give her that. And I love her hair. But the whole movie could have been avoided if she was just better at communicating. Mm-hmm. Um, and wouldn't have put Anna in the situation that she later found herself in. That's true. I think we can lay some of that blame on the parents as that well, too. With the like, no, no, just tamp it down, because that always goes so well psychologically. So well. so well, but she set her 
sister up in a sense to be seduced by Hans, who I almost used later, but I didn't because I didn't want two frozen people in the same thing. Um, but yeah, so I'm calling her the villain of the story, <laughs> but I think she's the best dressed one. She's got that sparkly blue dress she wears. It's very pretty. It is very pretty. All right, this one's kind of a little tricky because some of these have made it to Broadway, so you've mm-hmm. kind of envisioned it in a way, but who do you think is most likely to appear on Broadway? Uh, see, for this one, I thought more of the character itself, themselves doing a Broadway show, mm-hmm. and so for me, it was going to be Yzma oh, okay. from Emperor's New Group, because as soon as Cusco was gone, she was all about the self-promotion. The face was everywhere, and the silhouette, and the, she wanted everybody, so I picture her doing sort of like a Jack-Jack from Will and Grace one-woman show, just Yzma. I do love that. Is Kronk there with her? Well, yes. Okay, that's important, and we all know that I love Yzma and Kronk from my episode on that, so... I'm all on board for that. I chose Radigan in The Great Mouse Detective. So he's voiced by Vincent Price, which just, while his voice terrifies me, um, I can no longer watch Vincent Price movies because of House of Wax. I just can't. He's always kind of scary to me. But he's very dramatic, and he has a theatrical voice. And in his song in The Great Mouse Detective, The World's Greatest Criminal Mind, there's even a spotlight on him, and he's just like, yeah, and he starts dancing, and he, he gets really into it, and there's a chorus of mice behind him, and so you can really, he's got a lot of flair. You can almost imagine that. So, uh, good choices. Number four, the best evil laugh. This one was hard, because there was a lot of good laughs. It was, but it was not hard for me. Oh, like, I knew as soon as he came up, yes, and it's 90% because of the actor playing it's jeremy irons a scar okay it just in the middle of be prepared he has that great laugh and i love jeremy irons's voice yes. anyway so it's just coming out in that sort of deep like Rumble. oh it was great he has a very unique distinct voice like he as soon as he starts talking you're like oh that's jeremy irons and not, yeah. there's not a lot of people yeah it's sort of like the christopher walken thing mm-hmm. we're like no nah, i know who that is i know who that is immediately i don't even need to get on imdb for that one <laughs> yeah this one was hard for me um, and I'm cheating, but at first I picked Ursula, but I wanted her for flirt. She, hers kind of builds, which I really like. Mine I chose also because of the voice actor, and that is King Candy in Wreck-It Ralph, Ooh. voiced by the one and only Alan Tudyk, um, which mimics, it was really reminiscent of me, and I think that was on purpose, of Edwin as Uncle Albert and Mary Poppins the way it's almost like a giggle but it's uncontrolled and kind of maniacal like oh. you just can't tone it down it just comes out and I really like that and he laughs a lot and it gets kind of higher pitched as it goes on so that's my my favorite best evil laugh okay most terrifying villain ah my list for this one was because I started out like just throwing all the names at the wall for each mm-hmm. list and this one there was a theme I came to see very quickly and I ended up uh, settling on Gaston, which seems odd at first. No, I don't think that's odd. my list was entirely villains who weren't using their superpowers or didn't have superpowers. It was solely based on, like for Gaston, his position, his gender, his influence. He got the Mm -hmm. entire town to turn on Belle and her father. He got her father thrown in an insane asylum. He didn't have mesmerizing telepathic powers. He was just like, okay, because I'm charming and charismatic and I'm the man in this situation way back when. So, you know, I know what I'm talking about and she's just a crazy little, you know, nobody. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like... I came down to him, but all of mine were like, oh, these are just 
people in power who are manipulating the situation. So those were scarier to me. Yeah, and it was this category, We in a minute we're going to do most cruel. It, that kind of goes hand in hand in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, this is the one that kind of always scared me. Again, I like you, I kind of looked at all of them and I thought of some of the visuals that kind of frightened me but in the end they're not the ones that stuck with me like the Chernabog and Fantasia um, Black Cauldron the horned guy there's some that are scary um, but it came down to two for me for one for that exact reason that you were talking about but he didn't win out he I think he gets in later so I'll leave him out but um, I chose Shere Khan in Jungle Book which in a similar way but in the animal world that Mm -hmm. he is living out his nature but it's just it's cruel in a sense and the the voice is low and rumbling and he doesn't ever hurry and he just kind of moves through the jungle and you always know he's coming and so it's that build up and anticipation of Shere Khan's out there Shere Khan's coming when's he gonna get to me that always scared me and it's the, the confidence it factor is. he doesn't need to chase you down mm-hmm. he's just waiting you out and you in know? the live action that came I out seen that yet oh I I had to look away a few times. Like, how are kids watching this? And I was I was a grown woman. I was like, no, he's scary. And he was scratched and stuff. Like he looked haggard, you know, haggard. And mm-hmm. it was he was intimidating. You know, like, oh, I, it's intimidating enough when you go to the zoo and they're just pacing in front of the window and they stop and look at you. It's like, well, I would die very quickly. Like, you always no... get this feeling that like. E- they're looking at you going, I'm still in here because I choose to stay in here. If I wanted to leave, I would bite your head off and be fine. And a cat that likes water and swims, you're like, well, there's nowhere safe. They could get me at any time. Absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned Chernabog, though, because I one of the things I kept pulling up just lists of Disney villains to make sure I didn't miss any. And I legitimately, as a child, never thought of Chernabog as a villain. As a villain. <laughs> I loved Fantasia. Yeah. I watched it so many times, but it never, for me, he was never a villain. He was just like a deity of some mm-hmm. sort, but he wasn't evil. I don't, I don't know if that says something about me. I, just, I thought he was cool. Also, I think darkness, if I were to say there was a theme for me, it would be kind of darkness because the other one that came up quite a bit, and I say his not name wrong each time, but Dr. Facilier oh, from yeah. The Princess and the Frog, the shadow man that kind of, that goes between worlds in a way and can control that and that goes along with Chernabog too that idea of somebody that can either cross over or talk mm-hmm. to the dead the other side and use that he popped up me. on several lists and I don't think he ended up winning any for me but I do enjoy his he's style. sassy too but when he puts on his that skull mask and just stands there and then he disappears and the mask remains mm-hmm. like mm, no I don't like that all right this is one that got put in last minute because we love the idea so much and I um there's so many good options out there this one was hard to pick it wasn't hard to pick for me and if you've been listening to this podcast you know which one I've selected but there are a lot of really good villain songs that really set the stage so what is in your opinion the best villain song I maintain that in nearly every single Disney movie, if there's an actual villain, you know, outside of things like, you know, Frozen being arguable, Moana, where there isn't, you know, Mm -hmm. the villains 90% of the time get the best songs. But again, for this one, for me, there was no contest. There was no, oh, I have to think about it. It's Poor Unfortunate Souls by Ursula. She leans into that one. She belts it out. She's sassy. She's making jokes and screwing with Ariel. But the notes and the song itself are fantastic. I agree. I like that one. Um, I chose 
Mother Knows Best by Mother Gothel Mm -hmm. entangled because it sets up her completely. Um, it, It gives you, it's, it's character development at its best that they sum her up in three minutes during that song. And you know what is going to happen throughout the whole movie that she is not going to give up. She's not going to give in and she has no problem manipulating anybody that gets in her way. And it's done so well. And just Mm -hmm. like, and again, but what makes her scary isn't like, yes, she's using Rapunzel's magic, but that's not what makes her Mm -hmm. scary. It's this very real gaslighting Mm -hmm. personality where part of you is going, Oh, I've met this person. (laughs) I know them. Yes. And they are very good at what they do. I don't talk to them anymore for that reason. All right. Let's change things just a little bit. What's the villain that's most likely to be redeemed? I had a two for this. Oh, I I went back and forth a lot on this one. And the one I came down to isn't solely based on what happens in the Disney movie. It's There's adaptations and historical oh, context okay. and that sort of thing. So for me, it was um, Lady Tremaine or the, the wicked okay. stepmother from Cinderella. Because you know, at first, yes, she t- treats Cinderella like crap. There is no excuse for that. She was a child who lost, his fa- lost her father. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But Lady Tremaine had been married before, which means her first husband died. And then she was in a crap situation where she had to marry somebody with money because she had daughters and no sons to inherit. And then she marries this other guy who already has a daughter, but then he blows all of his cash and is dead. <laughs> like She's got no other, there's no mm-hmm. way for her to make money. There's no way for her to like amass property or get a job or anything like that. Because back then women were stuck in this very small little role that they had available to them. And I'm guessing she didn't have, you know, peasant skills. Like she probably couldn't weave. Or, or I don't know what else people did back then. <laughs> I don't. I have a smartphone. What do you want from me? I don't do these things. But so to me, I don't know. Redeemable or pitiful is a little yeah. mix of the both of them. Where like I just think she was in this crap situation, and yes, she should not have taken it out on Cinderella. But she got screwed over again and again and again. So yeah. like, eh, I kind of get it. I'm gonna leave my comments because she makes it later on my list. Yay. <laughs> um, that's a good cho- choice, though. And I, I don't think I would have gotten there in the cartoon alone. I agree mm-hmm. the live-action movie really gets you there when you see her reactions to things off ca- like not off-camera, but when she's not the focus necessarily of, of the scene, but you can see her in the background, you kind of get a lot of that. This one was a little hard for me. One, the one I wanted to pick he actually got redeemed at the end of the movie, so I didn't do I didn't choose that one. And that's Bowler Hat Guy or Goob and Meet the Robinsons. So uh, at the end, it's explained. Mm-hmm. And a lot like Lady Tremaine, if you can explain it, I think you can get there. And so my pick is very similar to yours, and that is Professor Callahan in Big Hero 6. Oh. I mean, he, yeah. he's, he's working out of grief, and I think that if he could have gotten some therapy, some much-needed therapy, and um, somebody to help him work through the loss of his daughter, that maybe it would not have come to that or as far to that if somebody could have stopped him. So I, I feel like he could have been redeemed in the right circumstances because his intents weren't diabolical or power-hungry. I mean, there was a purpose to what he was doing that could be explained a lot like Lady Tremaine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is my, I think, well, I'm not going to say what I was about to say because I've decided that in my newsletter, justkeepswimming.substack.com, which comes out on Sundays. <laughs> did you like that, guys? I just snuck that in there. Um, Very subtle. I, at the end of this summer, I'm going to do my five overrated, five underrated. And spo- yeah. spoiler alert, Big Hero 6. 
So I was going to say, I feel like that one needs more love. Needs I think you did a really good job of, of and I, I know Disney and Pixar have done phenomenal things like Inside Out and that sort of stuff, but it really hit on like grief and processing mm -hmm. and family. And I was like, there's a lot of really good Visually, messages in there. It's, it's fun and different and brings mm -hmm. in, um, I, I love what they did, San Frantoke, what they call, is it San Frantoke in so. it or something? The way that they take elements of a world that we know and kind of add to it is very cool so mm -hmm. and i think we need a baymax at work yes we do like, need a baymax i like need fix, a baymax fix my boo-boo and give me a hug if anybody needs a baymax it would be me to just follow me around yes number eight most cruel disney villain Ooh, for this one i went with uh frollo from Hunchback okay. of Notre Dame, mm -hmm. very similar to Gaston, um, but he was just almost more overt about the type of power that he had, and he switched very quickly from you are evil, you are sinful, you are an abomination to a surprisingly lustful oh my for goodness. Disney. Like, and I it's am, not inaccurate. Like, I can see this yes. happening from this type of man in a... A pure narcissist. Yeah. Yes. And so, like, that whole, that underlying, just way creepy, and then the, like, obvious abuse of church power, which, you know, did happen, mm -hmm. does happen occasionally. And so that whole thing, I was just like, oh, you're you're evil. <laughs> So that is, um, last week is what I podcasted on, and um, I have thought about it every day since the rewatch, and the more I think about it, the more I just don't like that movie, and I don't like Frollo. Um, he's too, it's on my list, so I won't talk too much about it, but man, he just, I agree, he is, he's awful, he's cruel. I mean, to say, if you don't suc succumb because I now lust after you, I'm going to burn you at the stake. And then you just mm -hmm. start setting fire to the city of Paris. You, you have some serious issues. Well, and he didn't have any, there was no point to any of it. There he was wasn't no cause. like, there were, yeah, climbing mm -hmm. higher in, in whatever the, you know, social or political structure was. There was no indication that that's what he was after. He just liked treating Quasimodo like crap. He yeah. thought he could, you know, squish Esmeralda under his boot because it would make him happy. Yes. Yes, he liked that power. So my most cruel is actually Lady Tremaine oh. and Cinderella. I, I hear completely what you're saying, but at the same time, you are now the stepmother of someone that is obviously far more desirable than your two girls. Why not milk that? Like, mm -hmm. I, that's the one thing I never understood. You have this beautiful, thoughtful, kind person in your presence that could get you far and get you kind of that stability. Um, and, and yet you, you squash her in a, a very cruel way. The poor girl has just lost her, her father, mm -hmm. is, you know, motherless. And then you're like, yeah, go clean my, go clean my, my, what is that called? fireplace yes it's like furnace <laughs> that's not right warm making um, thing yeah so I, I feel like it kind of it kind of goes both ways i understand why she did what she did but at the same time man you could have you could have been the you know queen's mother-in-law to the yes to the king like it just it doesn't work i hadn't thought about it that way the yeah. the like oh you you are also a commodity that i could that's it that you could I have like taken that. advantage of so all right number nine most horrific death Ooh, this one i went with uh clayton from tarzan okay because yes. it was shockingly 
not graphic because you did only see the shadow, but you knew exactly, exactly what, what had happened. happened. There was the, the sudden noise and the silence when it stopped and just seeing the feet reflected. It was surprisingly dark for a Disney which, you know, and I know all of the, you know, if you look at the original fairy tales, they are incredibly dark. Incredibly dark. But that one, I felt it was right up there with, like, the stepmother for Evil Queen from Snow White falling off the cliff, which mm -hmm. for some reason that one always freaked me out, too. That was pretty high on my list. Where I was like, oh, I don't know why. It's just freaky. But, yeah, Clayton, because you, you saw it coming. You saw him get more and more manic with the, the sword trying to slice away at the vines. And even Tarzan is there going, don't do that. <laughs> And then you just, you knew exactly what happened. Like, ah. I remember watching that one for the first time and yes, yeah, seeing it coming. But then when it happens, you're like, oh, oh, they, they did that. Oh, uh -huh. okay. Oh, that was bad. But you know what makes it all better? Phil Collins's music makes yes. it all better. Always. That Every man time. was born to do Disney songs. He was, and he's so good at it. Um, mine was Rourke and Atlantis, the, La the Lost Empire. Uh -huh. um, so he gets sliced by the source of power that they are seeking in Atlantis, and it goes into his body, and he turns blue, but then fire, you, he opens his mouth, and he becomes flames. Whoa. It's kind of It was kind of violent. It was like, uh -huh. whoa, okay. And they show the whole thing. You're like, well, he's not making it. It's um, Indiana Jones. It was. It was. Oh, man. Last <laughs> Crusade. That yeah. is the most horrible ending. You mm -mm. chose wrong. You chose poorly, friend. You chose, <laughs> chose poorly. Um, but what is so fun, and which comes to our last number 10, is that it can be extremely fulfilling to see somebody get their comeuppance. So number 10, what was the most satisfying Disney death? This one for me, honestly, had almost less to do with the villain themselves and more to do with the hero's moment. So I picked Shan Yu from Mulan okay. because she finishes the fight using the fan, a very girly instrument that she had, you know, sort of been really irrit irritated by earlier in the movie. She doesn't want this. She wants the sword and all of that. And she sort of comes to realize mm -hmm. that, like, oh, this stuff is useful. I can flip your sword out of your hand. And then, you know, just shot to Mushu and he dies in a giant thing of fireworks. It's a gorgeous moment. <laughs> it may not be the most poetic, but I just really enjoyed that. Yes. Mine was Frollo in the Hunchback of Notre Dame. That one I was you. so ready. I was like, someone please kill him. Somebody please kill him. And the visual of Notre Dame like spewing liquid fire which i didn't fully understand and the priest inside doesn't seem concerned about this at all he's like you should be ashamed of yourself he's like dude your building's on fire and then just his that narcissism again he was never going to stop mm -hmm. you know he was never going to lose L losing was not an option so he's standing out there on the gargoyle and it breaks and you're like yes he's going down and i got so excited oh. So excited, especially after his Hellfire song is like, dude, you are too intense. You need to tone it down. Too creepy. Too creepy. So that was our list of 10 Disney villains that reached the superlatives. If you have any thoughts on what we went through, we would love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. But now it's time for what is your favorite? Is yours a repeat first? Yes. Okay, mine is not a repeat. Okay. Um, so who is your favorite Disney villain and why? Ursula. Okay. I adore Ursula. I mean, I've always loved her, you know, Poor Unfortunate Souls. I think it's a fantastic song. But also, the older I get, the more I look back on Ursula and go, 
you know, she didn't lie. There was nothing in the contract no. that said, I'm not allowed to screw with Ariel or I'm not allowed to flirt with this boy. It was almost setting us up for like signing student loan contracts. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, these are the terms. Good luck. <laughs> but this and but that. And no, you can't do this. And, um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed that, especially when you sort of think back like, wait a minute, she's Triton's sister. Mm-hmm. So what happened there? Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like I need some more explanation of that. But I just really enjoyed her full, she was very, you know, enthusi- not enthusiastic, just very charismatic and very mm-hmm. like, you know, I've got this under control, it's fine, until you kill Flotsam and Jetsam, and then she was very upset. <laughs> yes. It's rude. You killed her pets, okay? That's not nice. <laughs> when that moment happened during my rewatch, I, it just it made me laugh, like, oh, she got very upset about the eels. That's very sad. And it's pets. It's a lot like you said with Lady Tremaine, like how... She had no other options. I mean, her mm-hmm. her brother then is king of the sea, and you're just yeah. What, what are you left with? What did she? Why was she mm-hmm. exiled to this part? Did she actually do something, or was it just she lost the war for power that always inevitably happens? Yeah, and you know she's taking advantage of like people that want differently than what they have. I mean, uh-huh. it's not like she's sold them some poor thing. They come to her. They make the decisions they make. And, and it's wishes that apparently Triton is more than capable of granting. Because at yes. the very end, he's like, poof, you got legs, honey. <laughs> like, what? No! <laughs> You're going to tell me that all of these people who've been training their lives away to Ursula could have asked their apparently yeah, like benevolent, benevolent yeah. king. Yeah. No! <laughs> at least she's upfront about it. She's like, there's a cost... This is what it is. You could end up a creepy, weird sea, sea urchin yeah. thing. I actually don't know what those things are. I don't were. know what those things they are either. They look like kelp. Yes. They were weird. Do they stay alive forever? I don't know. I don't know either. They were very great. There was a lot of them down there, so yeah. I think maybe yes, because otherwise I feel like even Triton would have noticed, like, hey, 60 people went missing this week. <laughs> I don't know. He's an idiot. He is an idiot. All right, my favorite is Mad Madam Mim um, from The Sword and the Stone. She's Iconic. just got style. Her own style is so unapologetic about who she is um, that I absolutely... <laughs> there's a cat jumping on people. Um, that I absolutely adore her, and she's she's actually kind of happy. You know, she mm-hmm. she's living her life and gets excited when she can battle and just gets really into it. And the, the whole scene with Merlin is ridiculous and how they choose to battle mm-hmm. um so i just i've always really liked her and i've liked her song um, hey the rules said no purple dragons didn't say anything about a pink, pink dragon yeah. <laughs> she was fine she was well within the parameters of this duel i feel like they should have written better rules I, they should have it's not her you fault. no it's not her fault so that is our discussion about Disney vill- villains. Thank you so much for listening. Really, it's so appreciated. If you haven't already, I would love for you to subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, a rate and review would be awesome, especially if it's a nice rate or review. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at @gnomegirlm and on Facebook as A Bit of Fun with Emily. Go have yourself a fun day. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.